You're listening to an audio sermon from Redemption Church in Red Deer, Alberta. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information about our church, visit us online at redemptionreddeer.ca. Welcome here this morning. Excited to be here with you. Um, Battling a little bit of a cold. Everything's a cold uh, these days. That's what I call it, uh, a cold. Uh, And so in God's grace, I'll be able to preach this message. If not, if it's cut short, it's about fervent prayer. We'll pray. We'll just stop and pray. God's in control of that. Um, Everyone, I'd like for you to have a Bible. Um, if, If anyone needs a Bible, we can maybe put one in your hands. Does anyone need a Bible here this morning? If you're looking up, uh, there's a few people. Um, you don't have, could you just grab a, a few Bibles? And uh, we'll, we'll bring them out for you here in a second. If you're looking up on your phone, it's ESV we're going to be reading out of. If you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, we'll be primarily there this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, 18 to 20. Uh, first thing though I want, I don't know if we have um, a redemption logo. I just want to explain something here this morning. If it, there it is, the redemption logo. And I just want to pause here for a moment. Um, I was telling my kids about this and telling other people, and I'm like, I've never told our church this. Like this, the symbolism in the logo that we have, of course you could say, okay, is it making an abstract R? I guess it is. But actually, like the big triangle represents God. And the little triangle represents the church, kind of like in God's image. Of course, the R stands for redemption. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we gather as the church. But if you'll notice, the the little triangle is not uh, perpendicular. It's not perfect with the big triangle. And that's the church. The church is full of broken sinners, and we need to constantly be uh, sanctified and changed by the Holy Spirit, reformed. And we're always in need of reforming. We're never perfectly aligned with God. I just, like, it's really cool symbolism in the logo of redemption that you don't know because I've never told you. <laughs> and so I just wanted to let you know about that. I just think it's neat. God, the church, and the church always needs to keep coming back to who God is, coming back to the word. We're never there. And we need to keep doing our best by the Holy Spirit. So I just want to let you know about that. Uh, introducing kind of a new seri- series that we're about to start, Six Distinctives Identity Shaping. Um, so they're actually behind me, our six distinctives. And uh, we're going to be going through each one uh, over the next uh, number of weeks. And we actually did this as a core group uh, three years ago, fall of 2020. Was anyone there with us in the fall of 2020? There, so there's, there's like a, uh, just a few of you. So I'm like, yeah, okay. Maybe either of you forgot and we'll go over again. But for everyone else, it'll be brand new. Again, when we're thinking about distinctives, it's like the question is, who are we? What are we about? What defines us? And the, our distinctives, actually, we want to define us. We want to uh, be part of our identity. And actually, our distinctives were what was given to us as we were planted. And as we go through, you're going to see, they're like, why do you call them distinctives? They're not distinct. Actually, every church should actually hold to these. But I think particularly the last one, church planting, is distinct. It's uh, unique. And something I think more people, more churches should be all about. And so I I hope that as we go through it, we'll get a a greater picture of who as a church we want to be or who we are and what are we aiming towards uh, becoming. And and so that will be this series, Six Distinctives Identity Shaping. This morning, we'll be talking about the first distinctive, fervent prayer. And uh, as I go through the message, we'll be defining what fervent prayer is seeing like what does it look like to be in fervent prayer, aiming towards it, uh, and again, just praying for ourselves individually and us as a church. May God do that in us, that we would be people of fervent prayer. As um, I, I just kind of going back to the distinctives, I was kind of given these, like, hey, these are distinctives. These are like a good thing to make a church, given the, actually the, the mission of the church, to see lost people saved, saved people matured, matured people multiplied all to the glory of God, which is the Great Commission. That's what we had in Redemption Calgary North. We were planted out of, and I'm like, amen. I actually, I love all those. I don't know if you ever thought about, like, well, what should make up a church? What should you be about? You should be about the Great Commission. 
You should be about prayer. You should be about the things we're going to talk about. So I was kind of given those things. As we said yes to church planting in January 2020, and we started coming here from Cochrane to Red Deer, meeting with a few people for a coffee, just sharing the vision of the church that we wanted to be, and saying, hey, we want to be about these six distinctives. We want to be about this mission. Lost people saved, saved people matured, matured people multiplied all to the glory of God. Little did we know, though, that uh, a few months later, March 2020, all of a sudden you couldn't uh, meet with anyone in person. And, uh, you know, everything, kind of the world stopped for a moment or has continued to uh, stop. And it's like, what do you do? I remember crying out to the Lord, like, what's, what's happening? We wanted to see this new church started in Red Deer. What do we do? And I remember just being rebuked. I've been telling people, we're, we want to hold a fervent prayer. And I was, I was just rebuked. The Lord's like, pray. Go and pray. And so I remember we were in Cochrane at the seminary there. I went up into the library. There's a place underneath the stairs, a little prayer room. I'm going on my knees, on my face before the Lord, crying out, God, will you make a way for this church to start? Praying for churches that I knew existed in Red Deer, praying for people. I knew people I didn't know. And just crying out to the Lord. And then as I was praying there, uh, someone else gave me the idea, why don't you start a prayer letter? And so started getting a lot of individuals, a lot of people, a lot of different churches praying for the church plan. And other people praying. And every time we would meet, we pray. Every time we end, we pray. And, and, and then I think the fruit of what we see even here this morning is God's answer to prayer. And why, why I'm sharing that story is like, okay, I said, yeah, yeah, we want to hold to fervent prayer. But then I got put in the fire and figured out what that meant. But fervent, fervent prayer, we have kind of have two words. We want to be dependent upon God and expecting he's going to answer. And I don't know about you, but I, I became dependent upon God really fast. I couldn't meet with anyone in person. And so we cried out to the Lord, and we saw the Lord build his church, another expression of it here in Red Deer. It was amazing. If you think about why fervent prayer again, think of the impossibility of the Christian life. We are called to love, self-sacrificing love of Jesus Christ. We're called to exhibit, to personify and walk in. We can't do that. We need to cry out to the Lord in prayer. We're called to purity. Purity is in everything being above table, every, like our eyes fixed on the Lord, not to the left or the right, not on unclean things. We're called to, uh, to walk in truth, to walk in holiness. Like uh, the, the calling that we have is like we can't do it. We need to pray. We need to seek the Lord in prayer. We need to be about fervent prayer. So I, I pray that this message, it'll really highlight what is fervent prayer, what are we aiming towards, and how do we kind of accomplish it along the way as we're seeking to do it? If you want to stand with me, we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 6. will be our text here this morning. We're really looking at 18 to 20. But for context, I'm going to start in verse 10. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, of which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. May God bless his word to our souls this morning. You can have a seat. Just before I continue again, I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer. Oh God, thank you for um, continuing to teach me about prayer. And I, I pray, uh, even as this week, as you've, you've taught me, you've challenged me, I pray you'd make me a man of prayer, you'd make us 
a people of prayer. I pray that this, this message, Lord, you would give us open ears and open hearts. And by your spirit, take your word, apply it to our hearts, Lord. Give us uh, understanding, but also give us the, the motivation we need. Give us a desire to meet with you in prayer. Give us a, a desperation uh, to run to you instead of other things, other people, our own solutions. Oh, Lord, I, I pray that uh, you would just start to work this uh, ever increasingly in us, that we would be about uh, prayer and uh, just uh, going before you often. May we be marked by prayer in our church and in our lives. So I pray that this word would help to contribute to that. May you do that uh, for your glory and your honor. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just want to, as we get going, look at verses 17 and 18. Notice the link in between it. And I guess even before saying that, so Ephesians, as we're jumping in here this morning, Ephesians, uh, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians is really doctrine. Like this is true. And then ch- the last three chapters is like if, if this is true of you, do this. Is more like application. So it's doctrine, application. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians while he was in prison. Uh, this encouragement to the church at Ephesus. And what I want, want you to see here though this morning is just as we get going is there's a connection. There's the, the armor of God, which maybe m- many of us know this passage quite well, and prayer. And even just think about this. Look at 17 and 18 with me. So you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times. Right? There's, there's, there's actually, there's not a break. It's a continuation. You need the sword of the Spirit to pray at all times. We, know the, we need the whole armor of God on that it was spoken of, and we do this by praying. Right? We, by praying with the sword of the Spirit open, we know the word of truth, which is the belt. The breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. I won't go all through them, but it's through prayer that we wear the armor of God. It's not like an afterthought. Paul's like, yeah, put on the armor of God, sword of the Spirit, and then pray. No, it's all together, all combined. I want you to see this. It's not a separate thought, one that is connected. And even just think about if this is the sword of the Spirit, and, and often we make a dichotomy between like prayer and the Bible. Prayer and the Bible, like, okay, so you pray, and then open the Bible. I love Charles Spurgeon was asked, what's more important, prayer or reading the Bible? And he said, well, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? Like, that, that's the connection between the two. If you think about this, so even, I just want to just point this out. So when we read the Bible, pray and read the Bible. Don't pray and then read the Bible. So just for an example, if you want to keep your hand in Ephesians just turn to Psalm, Psalm 37. And even if you have a marker, I would mark the early 30s of the Psalms. I'm going to go back there a few times for examples. But this is just in reading Scripture uh, over this, uh, a few weeks ago. So Psalm 37, just looking at 3 to 5, just like you're just reading devotionally, Psalm 37, verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. So as I read trust in the Lord, I'm like, God, I want to trust in you. I have these things coming up in my life. I want to trust you with them. I'm going to pray that to you. Verse 3, trust, or verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. So I'm like, how can I delight myself in God right now as I'm reading that word? What is that? Like, Lord, I, am, I delight in you. I delight that you're good and that you're great and you're gracious. Verse 5, again, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. So it's just a calling us, like, what do you have that you need to commit to God? So as you're reading scripture, we're praying scripture. And I think that's actually this connection we see here in Ephesians chapter 6, is uh, though this message I'm going to be talking about is focused on pray, pray, praying, <laughs> it's assumed that the praying is led by and inspired by the word of God. Right? Amen? I need someone else to speak too, so Amen. <laughs> If you're with me. So if I lose my voice, you guys can take it and run with it. Uh, So I just want you to see that. So praying, what is fervent prayer? Going back to Ephesians, how I'm kind of describing it, I'm going to take the four alls that we see in 
in verse 18, in 6 verse 18. We're just going to go through them, describing it. Kind of just answering that question, what is fervent prayer? Each all is going to help answer it more fully. The first one I want you to see, thinking about fervent prayer. Verse 18, praying at all times. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Praying at all times in the Spirit. So in the Spirit, as in led by God, inspired by Him, Christians have the Spirit of God. Right? You believe in Jesus Christ, you submit your life to him, you confess your sins, like I'm believing in Jesus. God, you're over my life and everything. You have the Spirit of God. But the Spirit must lead in our prayers. We must pray in the Spirit. What does that mean? I think it believes it means yielding to his leading, to his control. Look at Ephesians 5.18 with me just for a moment. Ephesians 5.18 says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. What is getting drunk with wine? There's a contrast, and it's one of control. Don't be controlled with wine. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and that word, be filled with the Holy Spirit, is actually a present continuous in the Greek. So it's like be continually filled. And what it means is be like continually submit your life, your way, everything to the Holy Spirit's control. And if you're doing that, you will pray in the Spirit. Just think about that. A Christian, though, a Christian could seek their own will and not God's. They could walk in known sin. They could go against God's leading. Then, if they would pray in the Spirit, their first prayer must be, Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me or else. I don't believe they are praying in the Spirit. They have sin in their lives and it's holding them back from following God. Love what one commentator says, to pray in the Spirit is to pray in the name of Christ, to pray consistent with his nature and will. To pray in the Spirit is to pray in concert with the Spirit. So just notice that we're just talking about praying at all times. It's in the Spirit. But what does that mean, praying at all times? When should you pray? It's like all times, meaning all times. I just, I love one verse, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, or I, I kind of have that memorized around there, um, be joyful always, that's 516. Pray continually in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray continually. Pray at all times. You're like, really? Does that what it means? I just want to show you a few verses we'll have in front of you. Luke 18, verse 1. You can see up here. I just want to highlight. He told them, Jesus told them a parable to the fact that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. We talked about this when we talked about persevering prayer in the life of Elijah. Look at the next verse, Romans 12, verse 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then Colossians 4, 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Like over and over again, it's in the Bible, like we should always be praying at all times. Like what does that mean? I think one thing it means all times, it's not a sometimes prayer. It's not a weekend prayer. It's not a like religious go to church and pray prayer. What, what does all times mean? Well, just think about it, one, in terms of our 24-hour day, like pray when you're at home. You can pray when you're driving. You can pray when you're walking. You can pray when you're working, depending on what you're doing. Pray when you wake up. Pray before you go to bed. Pray at meals, morning, evening, afternoon, like the 24-hour period. You can pray at any of those times. Think about that more in bigger picture in, in our life. For the life cycle of a person, like the birth of a child, pray. Celebrate from the birth of a child to a funeral. You pray. And everything in between, from graduations, from things that you celebrate together, from like tragedies, you pray. In the good times, you pray. In the bad times, you pray. It's almost like the, the marriage ceremony. In sickness, you pray. In health, you pray. If you're rich, you pray. If you're poor, you pray. Everything in between, kind of like all of life is covered. And then just think, though, the seasons of life will dictate when you pray. Because I know, hey, maybe you, ha you have a work you're talking to someone, you're, you're not like, I, I wasn't listening to you, I was praying. 
right? Like, no, we have to have responsibility. So the seasons of life that we're in, so a, su- a student who's in school, okay, you're paying attention. Maybe you're praying before class. You're praying after class. Uh, young mothers, when the kids are, like, crying and bothering, because kids sometimes do that, <laughs> uh, that's not the time to pray. Maybe it's when they're sleeping. You're full-time work or you're a shift worker, Okay, when you're on your shift, maybe that's not the time when you're off shift. Okay, now here's a good time to pray. Retired people, you maybe have a different schedule coming and going. Find those times to pray. Everyone, we all have these different seasons of life. But we need to find those spaces and places within them when we pray. I think that's what it means when it's talking about all times. Think about the different just variations. We pray in private. By ourselves, we pray in public. Even we, we can pray sitting, we can pray standing, we can pray verbally, we can just pray in our hearts. I just, like, I won't go through, exhaust all the, the, the <coughs> different ways. We can pray long, we can pray short. I just wanted you to know this, though, when it talks about praying all times, one, we need to make time. We need to make time to pray. Like, we should all find times within our week where, like, I've set aside time to go and pray with a Bible. We, we should be able to make time for that God who, given it, who gave us life, the air that we breathe, the days are numbered by him, the hairs on our head. We're like, we, can, we should set aside time to meet him in prayer. So just, like, look at your schedule, what allows to take 10, 15 minutes I'm just going to go meet with God in prayer. We're going to be about fervent prayer. We need to start scheduling times of fervent prayer. We do that at home. You can also do it in the church. Again, like Tanya warned you, I'll probably say it a number of times. There, we have a prayer meeting this Tuesday at 7.30 at Balmoral Bible Chapel. It's prayer and worship. And if you want to grow in prayer, gather with the saints and pray. And even, it's okay, you can come, you can come and listen to people pray. Just say amen. You feel like, I'm not really comfortable, just come. But here's the deal, we learn to pray by praying. And the more that we pray, the the more we can pray, as in talking to God, bringing our our requests to him, our praise to him. We're going to talk about what that prayer looks like. But this prayer, all times, it's not that you pray always every moment, but that's every place, space, and time is an opportunity to pray in every season. We should, like, the season from, okay, uh, summer has its own kind of craziness. We should have been praying (laughs) during the summer. But then as you go into the fall, you transition to a new routine. Like, stop and pray. That's actually what we're going to do a lot in our our prayer meeting this Tuesday, praying for all the different ministries starting out, praying for kids back in school, uh, praying for just different opportunities to share our faith. It's kind of like a new season starts. We're going to pray. So prayer at all times. Going back there to Ephesians 5.18. Look at the next all. So praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. All prayer and supplication. Talking about the types of prayer. That one, first, all prayer is just kind of like really broad. To supplication, it's very specific. Uh, and I think in everything in between. The supplication uh, means like petition or request. You know, we're like, hey, God, help me with this. We're maybe more familiar with that. I, I think it's, again, it's helpful. I brought this before you to kind of, uh, to think through some different types of prayer so that we would uh, not just, God, help me, God, help me, God, help me. Imagine if, as they were up here playing music, they only had one note. Dun, 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 and that was it. It's like a nightmare as a musician. If, maybe if you did that, though, then I could play. I could be in that band, the one-note band. But, uh, but, but sometimes our prayers are like that to the Lord. And we're just like, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And, and sometimes you're in a desperate situation. That's okay, man. Just cry out to God. But we need some more variations at times. All prayer. What does all prayer mean? I like to use the acronym ACTS. Uh, I'm just going to break, break that down for you. Because maybe we're like, I don't really have much to pray about. How can I be praying at all times and all prayer? I just want to give you some kind of categories to think through, different things that we can pray, help us all grow in our prayer life. The, so the acronym ACTS, A stands for adoration, as in praising God. Just, just think, like if you're praising God for who he is, you cannot exhaust God. You're like, yeah, I, I prayed for 
couple minutes and that was all. That, that's the beauty of the Word of God and uh, the living Word of God and the Spirit in us. We're continuing to get to know who God is. So we continue to have new reasons to praise Him. I just want to show you again in, in the Psalms. I don't know if any of you kept that place. I'm just going to read a few. Psalm 29. And these examples, this is like me reading through the Psalms in the last couple of weeks. I'm just showing you like what happens in my own life in helping me to praise God through prayer. Just look at Psalm 29 verse 1 and 2. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. You just take that and praise that back to God. God, you are so strong and mighty. Your arms never fail. Psalm 32. Sorry, Psalm 33, 1 and 2. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Verse 2. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. And that's just a few psalms just looking through this encouragement to keep praising God. And so in our prayers, we should be spending time adoring God for who he is. However you articulate that. God, you're you're faithful. Almost almost every day I praise God for being faithful when I see the sun come up because there's promises in scripture that as long as the sun comes up every day, he's faithful. There's new mercies every day uh, because God is faithful or he's sovereign or he's good. You just praise him for who he is. Adoration. And as we're adoring God, another aspect of prayer, we should be about confession. Right? If, if, just think about this. If we're not often confessing our sin to God, we're either saying we're not sinning, or perhaps we don't think sin affects our relationship with God. Right? If we're not often, if you can go like weeks and you're like, I don't know, I haven't confessed anything to God. You're like, wow, you're, that's amazing. If you can do that, or you're saying your sin doesn't actually really affect your relationship with God. I just want to show you in, in, in Psalm uh, 32, 1 to 5, David, David thought differently. David talks about this, how his sin affected him and God. David said, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. This is David's testimony about holding sin in, not confessing it to God. Verse 3, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. That's how sin affected David's relationship with God. But then he has verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity iniquity of my sin I, lo- I love that picture friends like that's the thing we are redeemed sinners if, if, even if you're in christ like man we still sin we still mess up so what do you do with your sin in your prayers we need to confess it before the lord again there's that scripture i'll say a hundred times if i say it a hundred times more uh first john 1 9 if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness every time Every time, what does Isaiah say? Isaiah 1, uh, 18. It, let's reason this. Let's think about this. If your sins are like scarlet, behold, they'll be white as snow. We confess our sins, and the, the blood of Jesus covers over our, our sins. So, of course, we want to grow in the ability to be sensitive to sin in our lives. Be quick to confess. When you become aware, it's not like you, I'm going to wait till my prayer time, though maybe that's when it comes up. But it's like when you're just aware, like, okay, I see this sin, just confess it to the Lord. Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. You have to just be quick to confess. God, help us live differently. So there's, there's adoration, there's confession, there's thanksgiving. Has anyone ever have, like, coming up in a month or so, which is crazy, a Thanksgiving time where you sit around the table, maybe a practice, you're like, hey, everyone, what are you thankful for? I, I love doing that. As Christians, though, again, that's, that's our daily life. That's our practice. We need to be like the most thankful people that you could find uh, should be Christians. I just want to show you just one example out of Colossians. The book of Colossians, it's all about being Christ-centered. It's interesting. I just want to show you in three verses, Colossians 3. I'll just read it here quickly for us. Colossians 3, 15 to 17. Just count the times it says to be thankful. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So how many times did it appear? Okay, does anyone? Anyone? Three, yes, you're with me. Thank you. Uh, three times. And actually all throughout the letter it appears over and over again, thankfulness. This Christ-centered letter. If we're, the more Christ-centered we are, the more folks on Jesus Christ, the more thankful we are. When we see the, the light, the beauty, the holiness emanating from Jesus Christ, we can only be thankful. We can only be humble. It's beautiful. Thanksgiving, that should be part of our prayer. And then lastly, supplication. And that's, uh, that's praying for people. That's our request to God. And we're going to talk about that more. I forgot to take a drink of water. <laughs> and I think in supplication, as we're praying for people, I'm going to say this a number of times, I'm a little prayerless. I don't know, does anyone have a great memory? I can remember lots of things. My phone is killing my memory, right? Because I'm just, I'm becoming more dependent upon it, or maybe that's what I'm blaming. I'm also getting older. But I'm blaming my phone. I need to write things down. If, like, things that are really important, I'm like, want to pray for something, I got to write it down. I would just encourage you the same. As we're doing adoration, we're praising God, confession, our sins before him, thanksgiving, this should be part of our prayer, and then supplication, we're praying for things, important things, and important things, I'm, like, I'm going to write down, I don't want to forget, I want to remember, I want to pray for these people, so that's talking about all prayers, and there's, there's more to it than that, there's lamentation, there's, uh, there's uh, even just brokenness, like, just like going before the Lord, you don't even know what to pray, the Spirit prays for you with groans, there's that type of prayer. There's more prayers than that. I just think if we can grow in those areas, Lord, we'll be, we'll be growing in fervent prayer. So there's all, all prayer, going back to Ephesians 18. So praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Fervent prayer is about all perseverance. Keep alert. Keep vigilant. Keep focused. Be on guard. Of, of applying continuous, wakeful concern. What does that mean to keep alert? It's just a quick, easy analogy. Imagine you're running across Highway 2. And like, it's, it's busy. You're not going to do it with your head down. <laughs> you're going to be looking. Where, okay, where's traffic coming from? Is there a break? And you're going to go across. You're going to be alert. That's what we need to be in prayer. Head up. What's happening? Keep alert with all perseverance, that word perseverance, persistence, keep going, not give up. A few weeks ago we talked about uh, persevering prayer. We're praying for things, we don't see the answers, we need to keep seeking the Lord. I think this is talking about perseverance in the Christian life. Why is this call here? Why? Because it's not a hundred meter dash, the Christian life. Right? Like, I, I believe Jesus, I'm just going to run as hard as I could in a short period of time. You're like, oh, it's going to keep going. It's not even, I don't even think it's a good analogy to say it's a marathon. And I have never and will never uh, run a marathon. But there's an end. There's a, like, you can get to it within a day. It's a, it's, a, it's a long journey. We don't know the end. Day by day. We keep going. We got we to gotta keep going. We got to persevere. But why this call to persevere? Think about this with me. Because our flesh is weak and our hearts are prone to wander. Just think about, I was reflecting on this, and, I, and I've said this before, so as COVID happened, whatever I was leaning on was taken from me. I was leaning on sports and entertainment, March Madness basketball, it was gone. Maybe leaning on like, okay, finances, it, it got shaken, routine, gone. I know what's going to happen in the next month, Gone. And I don't know about you, for many of us, in that desperation, we threw ourselves upon the Lord. And we have this great intimacy with him, and we prayed, and we saw him answer, and he saw him hold us in his hand, and he kept us, and he was faithful. And we're like, praise the Lord. But then, as time goes on, it's like, I've, I've gone back up again. It's like, I can go to restaurants. I can, I can do this, I can do that, things that I lost for a moment. 
And I'm, I'm just realizing, I'm thinking through about fervent prayer. I'm like, oh God, I want to stay humble before you, dependent upon you, even as maybe things for a moment look peaceful. How do we stay there? We need to persevere in prayer. We need to keep going. Why? Because our, our world is distracting. The temporal grabs our attention. It shines bright. It takes our eyes away from God. You know, the, the next YouTube video, the next YouTube, I'm like, then I think, what did I just watch? It's not helping me. I need to pray. God, help me get my eyes off that. Or whatever the next thing is that we're pursuing. If I, can, if I just have this thing, I'll be happy. And we know it's not true. We need to be persevering in prayer. Think about temptations and traps. They're hidden. They're dressed to entice and to ensnare. Like temptations don't come in such a way that like this is from the devil. Run. Instead it comes, it's like this will bless you. This is going to draw, this is, this is good. This tastes wonderful. Whatever it is, temptations come in deceptive ways. So we need to pray so we can see through it. We can see it coming. No, 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 this is not good. This is going to drive me away from the Lord. We need to persevere in prayer because the Christian walk is a battle. Right? This passage we're looking at, Ephesians 6, 10 to 11, Paul's exhortation to them. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil has schemes. We need to persevere in prayer. We would see them, we would know them, we would walk in the ways of Christ. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Friends, we are in a battle. That's why we need to persevere in prayer. Right? 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Like, have you experienced that? Now we need to throw ourselves on the Lord. God, help me. God, help me continue on in prayer. Continue on to walk in your ways. But friends, also like scripture, yes, the, the devil's prowling around like a roaring lion. But as we pray, as we open up the word, we know that we're serving the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he has all authority over the devil. He smashes the devil's plans. We need to persevere in prayer. We need more grace than we needed last year. I don't, like, you know, as our kids go to school, every year we have one going from grade three to grade four. They need to, they need to know more than they did the year before. I got, that's a Christian walk. It's like the grace that God gave me last year. I need more grace today. Whatever is coming, we need to persevere in prayer. So prayer is at all times and all prayers and all perseverance. And going back there to Ephesians, you'll see the last all, making supplication for all the saints. All the saints. And we're going to see, uh, it kind of goes from broad to specific because after that, Paul specifically talks about himself. So Paul's like, hey, we're praying for all the saints. So broadly thinking, because just think about in our prayers, we've already talked about it a little bit, we're, we're praying for our friends and family members or people who don't know the Lord. We're praying for them. We're praying that they would come to know Jesus. We need to be praying for our government and people in authority, that God would guide them or God would expose lies and let truth be known. We need to pray for our country. I'm going to keep calling you again. We need to keep, we need to keep crying out for Canada. That God would have mercy. It's like, one, are, so we're dependent upon God for that. Are we expectant that he would actually hear those prayers? Pray for our city. So that's broadly, but Paul's focus here is on the church, the church large. Pray for all saints. Like Paul, we see that he, he prayed for the church in Corinth. He prayed for the church in Ephesus. He prayed for the church in Philippi. We have his Prayers recorded. He was always praying for other people in other places. Think for ourselves. It's pray for our church, our ministries, our gathering. The church is in our cities. 
as we meet on a Sunday morning. A big, big part of our church we're going to hear more about continually, church planting. We need to be praying about church planting. I've, I've said before, uh, Luke 10, 2, the harvest, that's the gospel of Luke 10, verse 2, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, so pray to the Lord of harvest, the harvest to send workers. And so I've just encouraged you, set an alarm for 10.02 a.m., if you can, throughout the week, to remind us to pray for church planners. And if you're like, forget 10.02, I'm going to do it at 9. I don't, it doesn't matter when you do it. I just helpful. I have my alarm go off at 10.02 a.m., Monday through Saturday, and it's like, I need to pray. I need to pray for the church plant that they're seeking to do in Lake Country, in Oyama, in BC. That they're looking for a pastor. I'm praying that they would find the right person to come alongside them, that the church would grow. A church in Salmon Arm, who's part of our group, the Great Commission Collective, is seeking to plant an Enderby. They're just gathering a core group of people. I'm praying that they would have the right leadership, the right people would come in, that God would build his church there. Uh, Pastor Kyle Hunter was here from Edmonton. I, I preached there last Sunday. I'm praying for Redemption Edmonton, that God would continue to build that work. There would be another faithful witness within Edmonton. We help support a guy by the name of Baron Mambala. He's currently in the Democratic Republic of Congo. He's meeting there. They're looking for a place to meet to plant a church. They have a small church office. Like, ah, maybe a little bit double the size of that room over there. There's like 50 of them <laughs> in this little office. I, have to, I should have got pictures on here. And they're, and they're preaching and there's teaching and they're looking for a place. So we need to pray that they would find a place to meet. Pray for church planning. Again, so just have prayer lists. Again, so just think about this. The all, uh, prayer for all saints, the focus is on others. The focus is on others. I love what John MacArthur says here. It's not inappropriate to pray for ourselves any more than it's inappropriate to pray for physical needs. But just as the Bible primarily calls us to pray about spiritual needs rather than physical, it primarily calls us to pray for others rather than ourselves. Just think about this praying for other people. It helps get our eyes off of ourselves, which we're like, that's our natural tendency. I I read this week about during World War II, before the bombs started coming over London from Germany, the, the psychiatrists, the psychologists were like, okay, we need to prepare. We're going to have a lot of people come running in who are going to need help because they're going to be so shook from all the bombing that's happening. And so they're like, let's get ready. There's going to be tons of people coming in. But what they found was actually no one came in because people were so focused on helping their neighbor maybe get out of rubble or helping them with other th- maybe finding food or even people who were maybe shook with things before were now driving ambulances doing their part. Everyone had their attention off themselves. That's what this prayer to all saints can be. It helps us get our eyes onto others, onto the Lord. So that was kind of Paul's broad prayer for the churches, all saints. But then he gets specific. Look at this, verses 19 to 20. Paul says this, so supplication for all the saints in verse 19, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We talk about like fervent prayer being dependent upon God. I love this example of the apostle, this is the apostle Paul. He says, pray for me, pray that I would have words. He wrote 13 letters of the New Testament. Pray that I I have words. Pray that I would have boldness. It's it's interesting, even in Acts uh, 14, verse 12, he's going around preaching the gospel. He's the main speaker. And they even, they, they call him Hermes because he was the chief speaker, like one of the Greek gods. But this chief speaker, the one who wrote 13 letters, he's like, pray that I would have the words to speak. Pray that I would have boldness. To do what? To be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. I love that. He just, like, he just cares about getting the gospel out. To proclaim the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of how God saves sinners in re- rebellion and redeems them for himself. God takes people who want nothing to do with God, 
in their brokenness and just going on a life of self-destruction. And by hearing the gospel, hearing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, was buried and rose again, that in my repentance and faith we can grab hold of that, that person who's on a road to destruction is now on a road to heaven and is changed and becomes a trophy of grace, the mystery of the gospel, that God would use a word proclaimed by humans to do this heavenly work by the Spirit of God. I love that. That's Paul's concern. This is like almost the whole letter of Ephesians is almost done. He's in prison writing, I just want to encourage you guys in the Lord. At the end of the letter, he's like, hey, pray for me that I would have words, that I have a boldness to share. Look at verse 20. For which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He doesn't say, pray that I'd get out. He doesn't even say at the beginning of the letter. I've, I was already at the beginning of the letter, I'm like, can you get me out of here? At the end of the letter, he just prays for boldness that God would use him where he's at. He's dependent upon God. The Apostle Paul, how much more me, how much more us, do we need to be dependent upon God? We need to be about fervent prayer. It's, it's humbling. It's humbling to think, like, actually, I don't have anything. And anything I want to see God do, God has to do through me. I need to cry out to him for, for that. I want us to see verses 19 to 20. It highlights the mission of God. And then prayer is a part of accomplishing it. He's like, hey, I, he knows the gospel. Give me words. He knows he's going to share it. Give me boldness. Give me opportunity. We need to still pray for those things. I, I would just, friends, I would just uh, cry out to you again and again. Pray for me as I prepare the sermon. Whoever's preaching that week. Truth, truthfully, I have nothing. You do your study you as best as you can to, like, what is God saying in this text? God has to speak through his word. We have to be dependent upon him. May he give us ears to hear. May he change us by it. Keep praying. It's a battle. Pray for our Sunday morning gatherings. Man, we can habitually, ah, it's Sunday. I'm going to go to church and go on with my day. Lord, crush that in us. That we were like, I'm, I'm coming to meet with God's people. I'm coming to meet with God. Does he have a word for me? Pray for that. Pray for each of us as we gather. I'm going to actually, at uh, 9.15 a.m. in this back room, every Sunday morning, if you want to come gather with me and pray for this service, I'd love for you to join me. 9.15 a.m. every Sunday morning. Pray for us as elders. Dave preached on 2 Chronicles uh, 20 this, this summer. 2 Chronicles 20.12, Jehoshaphat has this huge horde of people going to attack him. And he, what does he say? Lord, we do, not, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's a the theme of our, of our elder team. We do not know what to do, our, our eyes are on you. Pray just for wisdom. If there's a future meeting place that God would have, God has to reveal that to us. For, for leaders, for counseling issues, for different things that come across. Constantly, every week, it's like, I, I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, help us. Keep, keep praying for us. Just, just think about this. As a church, as a Christian, we seek, we seek to do impossible things, humanly speaking. We seek to do impossible things. Think about, like, I'm going to share the gospel of what Jesus has done on the cross. That's our job. Our job is to share. Our job is to articulate. Our job is to tell people about Jesus. But we, don't, we can't, like, take someone and save them. So we're sharing, and we're like, Lord, use it. Lord, Lord, grab someone's heart. Lord, open their eyes. We're doing impossible things. God must say, we must share. Church planting. You're going to go into a place, Canada, all the stats are saying everything's declining. You're like, no, no, we need new expressions of people proclaiming the word of God, of standing on the truths of it. Like, Lord, will you do it? We're trusting you that you would. It's impossible, humanly speaking. Just even for us individually, you want to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. To be a Christ follower in 2023 in Canada. We need to like often be in prayer. Often like, Lord, help me. Lord, change me. And he will, but the thing is, guys, as we cry out to the Lord, whatever we, God hears our prayers. We're dependent upon him. We're expecting he will answer. Here's, here's the, the crazy thing is like God moves by his people praying and bringing his request to him. Yet he's sovereign over it all. 
Yet the means often in which he, an- which he moves is by answering his people in prayer. I'm not going to try to get into all the nuts and bolts of how that all works, but God calls over and over again to pray, to pray. And, and, and we have all these things to do that we can't do on our own. I, I cannot walk as a Christian outside of this church, in this pulpit, in the week to come, without the Spirit of God, without His grace. So we need to be about fervent prayer. And the thing is, though, as we cry out these prayer requests and we see the Lord, He answers prayer. He answers the prayer. That we see family members get saved. That we see maybe broken marriages restored. That we see people who are far from God all of a sudden be drawn closer to Him. We see churches planted. And then, then what happens? Then, friends, God gets all the glory. I want you to see that a fervent prayer, so the mission of, statement of our church, lost people saved, saved people matured, mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. Even as I show you the redemption symbol, may it fall to the ground and may Christ be exalted. That's the end goal. That's our fervent prayer where we want to get to. We're crying out to God. We're praying. We're asking him to change us, to use us. And as he answers the prayers, it's so that we would just back up and praise the Lord and give glory to him. That's the end goal of fervent prayer. Just in closing, I actually just want to read the end of Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. It's great. If you go through Paul's prayers and just pray them, this is the end of his prayer, and then I will close in prayer. Look at th- this is in Scripture. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May you cl- bow with me as I close this word in prayer. Oh, Lord, I praise you that you can do far more than we can ask or imagine. Lord, that you are so big and so mighty. I pray, Lord, you would take this word and encourage each of us uh, to seek you in prayer more. Oh, God, help us. Give us the desire. Give us the ability. Give us faith to pray. Oh, Lord, I, I, I just, oh, God, I pray as a church we would grow in this. I pray individually I would grow in this. And so do that in us, oh, Lord. Help us to persevere in prayer. Seeking you, trusting that you will answer in your good time. Oh, Lord, and then I pray that you would just get the glory, honor, and praise due your name. Seal this word in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.